You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 94. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I cannot believe I'm at episode 94 already. I don't know how the hell that happened. Episode 100 is coming up. I feel like I have to do something to celebrate. I don't know what that is quite yet, but I do want to extend an invitation to you, and that is... If you have a question that you would like me to address on the podcast, I want to hear it. And so if you go to the website, www.mindfulweightlosspodcast.com, you will see an icon of a microphone. If you just hit that, you can leave me a voicemail and asking your question, and I will bring that question on with your voice and everything and answer it here on the podcast. So if there's a burning question you want to hear me answer, that is the way to get it done. Now, what I want to actually talk about today, problem solving, because I am getting a little tired of watching people in my life just throw up their hands and say, I give up the second things become difficult. And, you know, newsflash, here's a little tough love for you. Life is hard. It just is from little things that cause you to be aggravated to big things that really interfere with your quality of life. We are rubbing up against problems all of the time. And So many of us like to, you know, just ignore them, right? How far can we push them down? For a lot of us, this is what results in us turning to food um, to suppress some some of this stuff. And what I want to talk about today is just taking the bull by the horns and actually solving your problems rather than just burying them and ignoring them and hoping that they will go away. And there actually is a strategy out there that has been validated to be helpful for problem solving. And in fact, it has specifically been validated for people who are suffering from binge eating disorder to help heal the binges. So, you know, this actually has been studied and formulated and tweaked and restudied again to be shown to be very effective for problem solving, not just in terms of binging and eating, but problem solving for any problem in life. And one of the things that I love most as a physician is a protocol, right? You give me a list of things to follow. I can do it like nobody's business. It's funny. I I can't, you know, follow a recipe well to save my life. But, you know, if you want me to treat your heart attack, I am going to tick off all the boxes just the way that I'm supposed to. And I think that is critical for learning a new skill, right? So I don't need to look at a checklist anymore to treat you if you're having a heart attack in my emergency department. I just intuitively know what to do in these situations. But that's because as a trainee for so many years, I followed the checklists until I really intuitively understood the nuances behind everything. And then I, you know, you come to a place as a physician where you can do things very intuitively based on pattern recognition and practice and other things. And so like so many other things in the weight loss world, problem solving is a skill that can be learned and it's something that requires practice. 
And so even though I think that we all have this expectation that we should be master problem solvers simply because we're human, that is not the case. And so as you listen to this episode today, what I encourage you to do is take a step backwards, allow yourself to approach problem solving with a beginner's mind and with a sense of curiosity, and just experiment with actually just following this protocol for change. I've got six, well, you know, six and a half steps for you with that that last step really being um, evaluating how how you're doing. So that's not officially part of the six step process, but it's an essential part that I think that we need to that we need to talk about as well. And so stage one, the first step of solving any problem that you're tackling is to identify the problem as early as possible. Why we want to do this is because it prevents you from entering that state of overwhelm when the problem just gets too big. And I am a master of doing this. You've heard me talk about my overwhelm before, but I will ignore problems for as long as I absolutely can until they have built up so much that I can barely get myself out of bed in the morning and I feel like I'm literally drowning in overwhelm. That's what we're actually trying to avoid by practicing this skill of identifying the problem as early as possible. And so what this might look like if eating is an issue for you is, you know how, how sometimes you just find yourself on the couch with a bag of chips and you don't really remember, you know, going to the pa- pantry to get the chips. It's just kind of something that happened completely on automatic. And what many of us will do is just like, well, I'm already eating the chips. I might as well finish the bag. That is not identifying the problem. That is ignoring the problem and hoping it will go away. Because in reality, the problem isn't so much the bag of chips. The problem is whatever caused you to go get the chips in the first place. And we're going to talk that about that just a little bit more in step two. But for step one, you need to practice identifying the problem as early as possible, being honest about it and not trying to push it away. And as you get better at this, you might also start to notice that there will be clues that a problem is developing, right? And these clues just might be that, you know, iggly niggly feeling that a conversation has taken a turn for the worse, or just this, you know, idea that your kid is on the brink of having a temper tantrum, right? There's just these little signs that start to become obvious when we start to really pay attention to when we're experiencing a problem. And so when it comes to like overeating and food cravings, for instance, as you start to pay attention, you're definitely going to notice that there are certain circumstances where you tend to turn to food. And so, you know, you you may have done a lot of this work already and, and may know that you eat when you're anxious or overwhelmed or bored or tired or stressed or angry or, or whatever it is. And so the key is to start noticing when your body is giving you cues that those emotions are starting to creep up before you even find your face in the bag of chips, right? This is the key for step number one. Identify the problem as early as you can. And then step number two is to specify the problem accurately. And what I actually recommend for this is to get a pen and paper and spend time actually writing out what the problem is 
Because if you're just thinking about it, your brain is going to rationalize and excuse and justify and, you know, come up with all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't be doing this right now. So just commit to sitting down and spending a few minutes with this. And what what I mean when specify the problem accurately, when I say that, what I mean is what is the true nature of the problem, right? And so it's easy to assume that that bag of chips is the problem. But if you think about it, you know that that's not the problem. That is the manifestation of the problem. That is the band-aid for the problem, but it is not actually the problem. So why are you eating? That's what the problem is. So you want to spend a little bit of time really getting focused on the details. And really also part of this is separating out what is the reaction to the problem versus what is the problem itself. Again, if you're you you know you're grocery shopping and your toddler is having like a meltdown of the century in the produce aisle, right? The problem is not the temper tantrum. The problem or the temper tantrum is the reaction to the problem. So I, th- I think it's easier to see this um, in the situation like like that, right? Like your your toddler may be angry that you said no to whatever treat they wanted. They may be hungry or tired. Like wh- who knows what the problem is? But the problem is not the temper tantrum. The, the temper tantrum is the reaction. Now, in the moment, you might feel like that temper tantrum is most certainly a problem. And what your reaction is going to be is to just pacify the kid in whatever way possible, get your grocery shopping done, and then get the hell out of there, right? And the problem with doing that is that you haven't addressed the real reason for the temper tantrum. And that temper tantrum is going to keep on coming back until you address the real need. And it's the same with the eating. So if you are habitually turning to bags of chips in the evening, you know, when you're tired and bored until you actually identify that the problem is boredom and start to problem solve for it. You're just going to keep on finding your hand in the bag of chips in the evening. And so that leads us in to step number three, which is to brainstorm solutions to the problem. And again, I really suggest that you sit down and do this with a pen and paper because magic actually happens when you when you do that, right? What often happens is we will just like at the speed of light go through a roster of solutions and just kind of randomly grab one that seems appealing in the moment and then go ahead. And that isn't always the best strategy. And and you know, this doesn't have to be an hour-long exercise, just a couple minutes to sit down and actually brainstorm some solutions to this problem. And when you do this, you don't want to censor yourself in any way. Whatever comes to mind, write it down. Because some things might seem actually ridiculous in the moment or not possible in the moment. And that's actually part of the next step. But for this step, we want to ide- identify everything. Because there might be things that come up for you as you do this brainstorming activity that could be something that you could implement over the long term to help you out down the line, right? So we don't want to negate any ideas that you come up with just because you feel like they may not be appropriate right now in this moment. And so, right, if you think about, you know, that example of reaching for chips when you're bored and tired in the evening. What are some alternatives to solve, not the chips, but to solve that boredom and fatigue? So you could just go to bed. You could decide to watch TV or watch a movie. 
you could decide to go scroll on social media. You could call up a friend or a family member and have a little bit of a chat. You could have a bath. You could clean a room in your house. You could go outside for a walk or a job. You could engage in a hobby or a craft. You could go for a country drive. You could tackle your to-do list. You could do a load of laundry. You could take your kids and go play soccer in the backyard. You can choose to brush your dog. You could choose to give yourself a, a facial or do your nails, right? There are a million different things that you could do to potentially solve the the boredom and the fatigue, right? And so that's what step three is all about, is to just write down as many possible solutions to the problem that you can think of. And then the next step, step four, is to critically think through the implications of each of your solutions, right? And this is really just asking yourself, like, are you ready, willing, and able to do any of these things? Do they make sense? Are they feasible? Are they actually going to solve the problem for you? And so, you know, for for instance, right, we said watch TV or watch a movie as a potential solution to boredom um, and fatigue in the evening. And right, this is maybe you would consider this not a great option because you tend to eat when you watch TV. There's nothing really exciting on and that boredom is just going to come back or it's you're going to get into something and stay up too late and the, the fatigue that you're feeling is just going to get worse. So maybe you say no to the television for tonight. Maybe you think about this idea of going to bed and you might say, well, you know what? It's only seven o'clock. If I go to bed right now, I'm not going to sleep and then I'm going to get up really early. Um, the kids aren't um, ready for bed yet. And so I'll have to get up to help them get ready. It's It might even just actually make me feel worse if I go to bed and mope right now. Right. So you take that off the list. Um, go on Facebook. Well, you could do that too, right? And you think, you know what, maybe I could spend five or 10 minutes just scrolling on Facebook and then see how I feel afterwards. And so maybe that's a possibility for you. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you'll say, you know what, when I go on Facebook and see the bad news and the fake news and, you know, everybody else has perfect lives, I actually end up feeling worse about myself. And then on top of feeling bored and tired, I'm also going to feel inadequate and worthless. And that's just a bad news bear for me, right? So you get the idea. You just go through each solution and see if something is going to make sense, right? So perhaps calling a friend is a really good option. Just having a 20-minute conversation with somebody who really gets you might perk you up a little bit, might infuse you with a little bit of energy, will take the boredom away for a little bit, and it might just be a nice transition into doing something else, you know, for the evening. I don't know. The point is it's going to be different for each and every one of us, and you just need to go through all of these solutions and rationally think them out be critical about what the implications might be so that in the next step, which is step five, you can choose what the best solution or combination of solutions will be for you for this particular problem in this particular moment. And I find, you know, I've been I've been practicing this a fair amount lately, and I find like the solution is usually fairly obvious, like the 
the ones that are just not going to be practical or helpful right now automatically sort of weed themselves out. And I'm starting to find that it's, it's you know, making a lot of sense to do this. And an added benefit is now that I've done this list for myself a few times in the moment, I actually have this beautiful curated list of things that I can do when for me, I've been doing this a lot around um, my feeling of overwhelm. And so I'm able to come up with a list of things that really help me solve my problem of, of overwhelm. So I've, I've actually found this helpful for this extra side effect of having this list of things that I can work on at baseline to prevent that overwhelm from, from creeping up for me. So that's really been helpful. And so then, of course, the last official step is to take action, right, to actually do the solution that you've identified. You don't have to, you know, this is not about perfection or all or nothing or being very rigid, you know, so you you don't have to do things exactly the way you wrote it down on a piece of paper. The point really is to just get up, take action, and then reassess, right? And so that is the extra little step that I'm adding to this at the end is to just evaluate how well your problem solving is working for you. And I think there's two moments to do this. I think doing it after you've taken the action is important to just quickly take a look back, like do a check-in, do a body scan, ask yourself how you're feeling. Is the problem solved or is the problem still there? And should I go through the cycle again? Right. So I think that's the first time that we should be checking in is immediately after we've attempted to solve the problem. And then I think you just also want to maybe want to check in later in the future just to see how your problem solving is working, generally speaking. So just just take a look back, like how often are you engaging in this problem solving practice? How often are you coming up with solutions that are actually helping? Are there things that you could maybe be doing on a daily basis? Are there patterns that are coming up as you go through this process? So I think I think that is that that is key, right? Because None of us want to be spending time or wasting energy doing things that are not bringing value to our lives. And so when we add a new practice, when we're flexing a new muscle, we really want to take the time um, to just check in and, and do a little bit of an evaluation. And again, I just want to stress that this is all about proactive problem solving, right? And I should say it's reactive. Well, it's it's both, right? The way I've described it, the examples that I've used, it's reactive problem solving and that the problem is already here. Um, and then we go through these six stages to solve the problem. But you can also take a proactive approach with this once you've done the reactive problem solving often enough, right? Because once you've identified certain situations or certain emotions or, you know, certain events that occur in your life that tend to bring problems with them, you can start to anticipate them and plan for solutions ahead of time to either prevent this the problem from even happening or to be able to problem solve quickly in the moment when they do happen. So that is just like what we do in medicine where we, you know, use the protocols when we're trainees and eventually we come to this place where we just know the ins and outs so well that we can do what we need to do for the patient in front of us without referring back, right? So that is the beauty about doing processes like this. And, you know, there's always this tendency for us to bulk at checklists and processes that feel so burdensome sometimes, but they're there because they do actually help us learn. So I challenge you in the week coming up to employ this practice when you encounter a problem. 
And I want to emphasize again the importance of actually writing this this stuff down. Magic happens when you put pen to paper and you'll be much more likely to follow through and take the action if you do. And if you don't have pen and paper, then, you know, write a quick email to yourself or use the notes app on your phone or whatever you have. This does not have to be a big 30 minute production. Just jot down what the problem is, what the true problem is, be specific about it, write out a quick list of actions and then choose one, right? That is all there is to it to problem solving. Easy peasy, right? Go get it done. Bye for now.